0: No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian Bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Hi, Em. I know there are far more important things to talk about here, like Kylie and Courtney's conversations with Tristan, but I have to tell you personally, my biggest takeaway was when Kim is in New York and she's doing many things, one of them being going to the Skims opening at Rockefeller Center, and she's exhausted. Like we have the phone footage from Chris Appleton where she oversleeps and she's saying, you know, she's never really liked this. She was so out of it. The level of validation I felt, because When that day happened, which was back in May, I remember seeing literally the first piece of content of her from that day before even, I think it was the Today Show or Good Morning America, whatever she did, it wasn't even that interview. It was literally the first fan photo. And I sent it to you and I was like, something's off here. And it eventually became a conversation that the whole internet was having. But when she was then discussing how exhausted she was, it was such a moment where I was like, wow, we really know her. Like from one photo, I could tell, no, something's off here.
1: I know. And then as the footage of that day kept coming out and as the videos of her at that Skims pop up kept coming out, we were like, this is her in rare form. Like we have never seen her like that. And that was the thing that I felt the most validated by was not even just that, like, we knew her well enough to know that she was exhausted. It was like the extent to how exhausted she was, was The only logical explanation for the way that she was acting, because I remember so vividly saying to you at the time, like she has to be a level of exhaustion previously unfamiliar to her because 99 out of 100 times or 99.9 out of 100 times she is able to completely fake it. And this was the one time where she couldn't even fake it. And we'd never seen her like that. No, and the difference wasn't
0: necessarily in the level of things that she was doing. Yes, she probably overcommitted herself and had a lot on her schedule, but that's kind of the norm for her. She's used to traveling like that. The difference was the lack of sleep because that's always been Kim's thing. She can pack her days as long as she knows she's getting that guaranteed REM cycle and she wasn't getting it. And there are some people that can operate really well on four hours of sleep. That's not her. She's like a, I would say, six to nine type of girl. And it was just so evident here. Like, obviously I'm I'm not happy that she was this level of tired. I think this is not healthy. And this is actually sometimes the exact thing you see people get hospitalized for. But I did have a moment of like, wow, it is good to know that our read was entirely accurate.
1: Yes, yes.
0: We'll obviously dive more into that scene, but just going back to the beginning, we start off with Courtney's 44th birthday party at the bowling alley. And it, it seemed like a good time, but you can tell she's just not really about it. And she even says like, I don't really foresee myself doing this again.
1: When it cuts to her in confessional and she's like, yeah, my vibe for my birthday is usually Disneyland. I was like, I literally had that thought when I saw you doing a bowling party. I was like, why is this not at least Disney themed? Like it really threw me off. I do
0: understand though when they're talking, they're confessional about how no matter what type of party you have, and obviously this one is, I would say, the less extravagant on the scale of Kardashian parties, but no matter who you are or what you're doing, When you're hosting, it still is a little bit of a job. And I really understand how that can just at times be unappealing. Like sometimes on your birthday, you just don't want to have to schmooze. You know how I feel about birthdays. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love the idea of just going away with your favorite people because
1: there's none of that. How vividly do you remember them posting the Instagram story showing the card that Kim had gotten Courtney? incredibly vividly,
0: but we had no idea at the time just the weight that that card carried. Because now we know, obviously, this card was given after that phone call where they said some of the meanest shit two people have ever said to one another. At the time that we initially saw that being posted back in Courtney's birthday, which was in April, we had no
1: idea how nasty it got. Well, forget about not knowing the call, which is what you're referencing is the most recent fight that they had had on this season of kardashians where they kind of rehashed the dolce and gabbana stuff and kim said the thing about the group chat and (laughs) courtney said about her being a raging narcissist and they really exchanged words at each other yeah at the time we did had no idea that was going to happen but also at the time season three of kardashians hadn't even premiered yet so we didn't even know the extent of their fight all we knew was from promo that it was going to happen and that you know There was other stuff, obviously, with Courtney and Kim that led to our understanding of their dynamic in a certain way. But no, we had no idea the extent of it. Same with when we saw them at, which you see later in this episode, but at the Blink-182 concert. Because I remember at the time saying, oh, it's so interesting that they're together. Like, clearly, they've kind of worked through their stuff. But season three was premiering that night. Right, which we will obviously get into that scene. I do want to say
0: in this confessional where they're then talking about the card and, you know, they're kind of just reflecting on high school and how mean they were to one another. It really hit me. And I think we've said this before, but this particular confessional, for some reason, it really stood out to me. Given the fact that they have made it clear they are not in therapy together. I know Courtney has said she's in therapy. It's still unclear whether Kim is this is like their version of therapy. And I don't just mean their individual confessionals because we've spoken repeatedly how that must be cathartic on some level. But I swear to you, I don't think Kim and Courtney are talking about how hurtful it must have been in high school when they were saying that shit to each other, other than when the Hulu cameras are there and the producers are asking them about it. So it's almost like While I would say if you're choosing one or the other, I think the show is more inflammatory to their relationship, as they said, you know, watching it back in the editing process and then watching it again when it airs, obviously things come up, but there has to be some level that is even a little bit helpful because at least it opens up the conversation. You know, even, and it was kind of jokingly, but Courtney apologizes to Kim for saying those things and they're laughing about it and it's not serious, but you can tell like, Kim carries that, you know, like that's still very much in her. And I'm sure vice versa. And I was just thinking like, I literally don't think they talk about this unless they're being asked it by the producer.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting. Well, actually it's funny that you say the thing about Kim being in therapy or not being in therapy because she spoke about that in the GQ article and Actually, it was a, I don't know if you read the whole thing yet, but it was a conversation where Courtney spoke about how helpful therapy has been for her and kind of wanting to encourage her family members to do it, but ultimately not wanting to force them. And Kim said she tried therapy in order to try and fix her marriage and it just wasn't really for her. So that was just a piece of like interesting information that came out um, recently. But I will say the way that I feel about the fact that the confessionals we were watching in this episode are the same confessionals that we have seen throughout in terms of the joint confessional of them. It's the same confessional that made us say, these are two motherfuckers that hate each other. I didn't feel that way watching this episode's confessional of them together. But I think what it is, is that I think when they're able to joke about their relationship and they're able to find the humor in it, they they present very differently. It's like, that's their common ground. So it's like the fight that they were having over the Dolce stuff is like when that side of them that like really resents each other and like has a lot of trauma and has a lot of old issues come out, but there's something for both of them that's so bonding about their high school experiences. And even if they were terribly mean to each other and specifically as it sounds in this confessional, Courtney being terribly mean to Kim, It's like, you can almost see the way they hold those memories so dear because it was like, well, she was mean to me, but like, she's also the only one that like knows how mean she was to me because she's the only other one that knows what our childhood was like to the extent that she does because of the closeness and age.
0: Yeah. I I mean, listen, I think that they're vibe in terms of what we receive. And like you said, this is the exact same confessional that was filmed when they're talking about various things. I just think it's dependent on the subject matter they're talking about. I think with something like this, yes, it's a completely different energy. And I, it's interesting actually from the perspective of knowing that this was all filmed the same day, presumably, because they look the exact same. Like it, Their energy totally shifts. I don't even know if they're overly conscious of it, but you can tell even in Kim's body language, it's so different depending on what they're talking about.
1: Right. And by the way, not to jump ahead, but when Kim goes to Brooklyn for the Blink 182 concert and they are discussing that in confessional, that's where you can really see their body language change as well, because both of them put in an effort there. Like it was a very clear and understood effort on both sides. Courtney knew that Kim was in New York and wanted her to be at the show and invited her to be at the show. And Kim did everything in her power and took a helicopter out there to be there to support Courtney and to support Travis. And so you can tell as they're recapping the fact that that happened, it's like, they still have anger towards each other, but there's that complete acknowledgement of like, but we still do this. Like we still come through for each other always.
0: Yeah. And they're going to ride for each other at the end of the day, especially because Kim, which is a unique experience that Kim has had and that, Kylie has had understands what it's like to be with an artist that is traveling and how isolating of an experience that can be. You know, Kim's not saying she knows what it's like just because she imagines what it's like. She knows what it's like because she was with someone who was also traveling. Right. Also, as a total side note, and I know this is so unimportant in this game of things, but when they're talking about high school, and Kim says, you know, yeah, Courtney would be like, Ew, my sister has big, saggy tits. You would hate her. And it would be guys at school. I'd be at a party and I'd literally walk away crying. And Courtney says, Well, I'm sorry for the past. I had this moment. I don't know this is like a totally unhinged thought, but I always say to you, Not really on the podcast, but I always say to you separately that if I could ask any one of them any, or not necessarily any one of them, but specifically Kim, any plastic surgery question of like what has gone on, I just have a lot of curiosity around like her boobs. Cause Kylie has said implants. We know Courtney has implants. We know Chloe has said she's wanted them. And I wonder, like, is Kim implants? Is it a lift? Is it fat transfer? I know it's none of our business, but I I am curious. And I had this moment where I was like, is this the type of thing where Courtney saying those comments stuck with Kim to the point where she was like, I'm fucking doing something about this because it caused her like trauma from a young age? Because something we always talk about, not just in Hollywood, even just with anyone, where it's like one person says something to you when you're younger and it's not even necessarily something you're self conscious about. And then you know, it sticks with you in a way where you end up doing something about it because this person instilled this insecurity in you. And it could totally not be the case. But I just had that moment where I was like, I have always wondered how Kim's boobs look like this. And I wonder if Courtney saying that is the catalyst for whatever she ended up having done.
1: It's kind of like the conversation that Chloe was having with Kylie and Courtney, where she was saying that Chris making comments about her nose was kind of the thing that Led her to eventually getting her nose done. It is, I mean, it is just an interesting thing to think about in general.
0: So you guys know I'm very much in the business of just making my life more seamless across the board. There's a way that I can make things more convenient. I am certainly gonna take it. And of course, this comes into play with food delivery. I've been a fan and a user of DoorDash for a while now, but I specifically wanna talk to you about DashPass because it kind of takes things to the next level. So DashPass is the one membership you need to get the most out of DoorDash and everyday life. DashPass members get $0 delivery fees and up to 10% off eligible DoorDash orders. So that's groceries, drinks, personal care items, and more. You can put a little joy back into your schedule, sign up for DashPass today, use code CBC23 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. So DashPass makes delivery even more worth it. It helps members save more than $35 per month on average. Plus, DashPass delivers way more than just tonight's dinner. That includes special access to experiences, promotions and DashPass exclusive menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. And if you sign up for DashPass now, you'll get your first month free. So put a little joy back into your schedule. Sign up for DashPass today. Use code CBC23 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass with code CBC23. Subject to change, terms apply. Sign up for more, become a DashPass member today. Okay. So next scene, we have Kim at Scott's and she's reading her first American horror story script. And the key takeaways here, first of all, in her confessional, she's saying that when she was cast, all these people were like speaking out saying, you should give the role to Salma Hayek. Why don't you give a real actress a job? And I said to her like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? I feel bad. And she's like, do not feel bad. Maybe this whole road has led you here because you're supposed to be an actress and this is your real career. And I'm like, you're right, Salma Hayek. And I was like, can we play sisters in something? Cause you are my idol. And I was thinking, first of all, Kim has always spoken about feeling that way about Selma. And most recently for Halloween, I know she dressed up as her character from from *Dust Till Dawn and Selma reposted it and they had like a whole moment. And I know this is a conversation we've had before, but I just think that how cool it must be for Kim, all of these people that she idolized growing up, whether it was JLo or Cher or Selma, whoever it is, she now, you know... I don't think she ever necessarily views herself as equals with them because she still, you know, puts them on such a pedestal, but she's respected in that same way. Like they're on leveled playing fields. And I just have to imagine how cool that must be.
1: Yeah. And I remember having that thought when Kim was hosting SNL and all of these comedians were giving her input for her monologue and how she should play certain characters throughout her hosting gig. And it was just this feeling of like, not just like, oh, these are her friends who are giving her pointers, but like people who want her to succeed, who also are at the top of their field. That's kind of how this moment of her talking about Salma Hayek felt. But I have to say like, there is this strange phenomenon that still exists. And I'm curious if other people feel this way too, that when Kim mentions someone that is outside of her realm, it always just like excites me. And I don't know why, but Kim often mentions people where we know 20 years ago, the thought of her interacting with these people in any sort of way, let alone being friends with them, was a completely foreign thought. However, we've seen her relationship with those people form and progress and become real, genuine friends. But there are still people where she'll pull out a name and it's like, I I didn't even know you guys had that relationship. I didn't know you guys were texting. It was like, when she said somebody wished her a happy birthday, I forgot who it was, but I was like, wow, I, I didn't know that she felt comfortable to wish you a happy birthday. Was it Madonna? I kind of remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Madonna.
0: I know exactly what you mean though. I don't know how to describe it perfectly, but I very much relate to what you're saying because she's giddy about it.
1: (laughs) I think it's this strange feeling of like constantly feeling validated on her behalf, which is a strange thing to still feel after all of these years. But when she talks about that feeling of like wanting to prove herself to people, it's this Very weird thing that happens to us where I'm like, yeah, I want to prove it on your behalf too. Like when she killed SNL, it was like this overwhelming feeling of pride and validation that I had no business having. Just take it a step back. It's
0: the fact that from day one, we were interested before they were a phenomenon we were interested, you know, like back in the Britney Gassino days. And so there is this feeling of what I imagine people feel when they really get into an artist and then that artist goes on to, you know, get grand recognition and then is nominated for a Grammy. And it's like, wow, I knew them back then. Like there is still, even all of these years later, there is still a part of me that feels like we were the OGs, not just us, obviously us, and probably everyone else listening to these episodes, but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's like how I found Justin Bieber before Scooter Braun did. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm dead serious. You never believe me when I say this. I found Justin Bieber on YouTube before Justin was a glimmer in Scooter Braun's eye. I'm telling you.
0: Anyway, so in terms, out <laughs> this Okay, so in terms of other things from the scene that I want to mention, when. Kim is talking about being in New York more and Scott's saying, I'm down to get a place with you in New York and split it. And by split it, I mean, you pay 90, I pay 10. And Kim's saying, you know, she doesn't want to live in any place in the city that doesn't have a private entrance and exit And Scott's like, yeah, but if there's security there, it doesn't really matter. Which, of course, my first thought when she said that was that, you know, that was a decision informed by the Paris robbery, which I'm sure on some level it was. But she then says, you know, what if I just want to sneak around? And she says to him, I just need new vibes. And he goes, new dick. And she goes, new energy. And to me, I'm probably like, yeah, all of the above. Probably new energy,
1: new dick, and new vibes. By the way, we all could. But... Something, just to go back to Scott for a second, that I'm always really interested in is Scott's relationship with New York. Like, I feel like he is always just dying to get back there. And I I just predicted, I actually had this thought very randomly the other day, like for absolutely no reason. But I think that when the kids are older, you're going to see Scott start to spend a lot more time in New York and be a lot more bicoastal. Oh, I feel the same. I mean... I think Scott has definitely gotten very accustomed
0: to the LA lifestyle and he certainly enjoys it, but he always will have a connection to New York. I'm sure he feels very connected to his parents when he's here. It's it's his roots. And by the way, I also could see in 10 or so years Penelope really having a love for New York. Like who knows what's going to happen with the kids and if they're going to want to go to college or, or what that all looks like. But I could totally see hypothetically if Penelope decides that she does want to go to college, some sort of a city school whether it's an NYU, a Columbia, Parsons, like I just could
1: see that vibe for her. I love when we do this thing where we just take a very simple concept and just and just go with it. What about this scene made us just hypothetically decide where Penelope was going to go to college? Okay, so here's
0: my thing with that. It's not even that aspect of it in terms of like us jumping there because that's just par for the course with us. It's the fact that it's moments like that where I realize we have gotten so fucking comfortable on this podcast to do that and just like not give a shit if it sounds like the most outlandish thought. You know what I mean? because that's that's the exact conversation we would be having if we were walking down fifth right now talking about this scene, right? But like, I just don't think a couple of years ago, I would have been so not in my head when recording to think like, well, people think that that's a crazy thought process to get there. I don't give a shit now. I'm like,
1: these are our friends. (laughs) Like, you know, it's funny that you just (laughs) said about not being in your head, because I just had a moment where we were recording where I was like, does anybody care about like our thoughts on Scott potentially being bi coastal? Like that is far from the most interesting thing that happened this episode. It was literally a throwaway line about him wanting to stay with Kim in New York. But Scott's relationship with New York has been continuously a plot line, like where we left off in Kardashians with them living in New York at the time and Scott loving the lifestyle there and continuously throughout his relationship with Courtney, kind of trying to get them to be by coastal or get them to move back to New York or spend as much time in New York as possible was such a key point of their relationship in those episodes. And so to still have him in 2023, having fully lived in Calabasas for many years, not being with Courtney anymore. But I just think the, the fact that we have been so attuned to this relationship with Scott in New York since the beginning is such a funny thing to still be talking about. And I think that if you are listening to these recaps and you're really in on the Kardashian ride, like you, your ears perked up at that too. Yeah, you get it.
0: That's, that's what I'm saying. I feel like these people are our people. (laughs) So like, I I don't, yeah, that's exactly, it's the whole thing is crazy. I mean, I said to my dad today, I don't even know how he got on this conversation, but I was talking to him on FaceTime and I I said, I was like, yeah, Julie and I are going to record. And I was telling him a little about the episode and he was like, crazy that this is your job. I was like, This is crazy, right? Like I had a moment, I know we have that all the time, but I had one of those today when I was talking to my dad of like, whoa, like this is my favorite thing in the entire world to talk about it. I can't believe we get to do it multiple times a week. Same,
1: can't believe (laughs) that.
0: The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla. With a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so next scene we have Chloe and Tristan at Chloe's. And this is kind of where the rest of the episode gets started in terms of the plot line of Tristan having these difficult conversations with the sisters. And it starts out on a separate note with Chloe and her confessional saying, you know, even though Tristan and Amari have both moved out and now they're, you know, in Tristan's home, she's like, I'm not going to just cut the cord there. And she explains how for the last seven or so years, she was involved with Tristan's mom in terms of most of Amari's medical appointments. And she's been very in the mix with all these medical things Prior to you know Andrea passing away, it's not just in light of that tragedy that she then kind of took over, which I felt was kind of necessary context. Just and, and it's understandable that we didn't, wouldn't have fully known that, or maybe we did, and I just wasn't aware of it. But I'm getting a clearer picture now.
1: Yeah, no, we certainly got a lot of context here, and I think <laughs> that is one thing we got throughout this entire rest of the scene and the entire rest of the episode is just a lot more information and understanding as to where Tristan is at with this current journey he's on. And more importantly, where Chloe believes Tristan is at with this current journey that he's on. Yeah. I mean, we kind
0: of got to go through this because he's saying that, you know, he's working on himself and everyone has their time of growing up and he makes a comment. That's what therapy helped me realize. You can't live life of regrets, which is his mention of therapy, which we see continues in his conversation with Courtney, et cetera. But here we have Chloe in her confessional saying, Tristan has been doing a lot of therapy work and he's really working on himself a lot. He wants to prove that he's a different person and I'm really not involved in these things. This is between him and each individual family member. And Tristan then says to her, I'm in a place now where I can actually really see and own up to the mistakes I made. I don't think, to be honest, years ago, I don't think I knew the damage that I probably caused. And Chloe says... In this family, if you do something to one of us, it affects everyone and they're entitled to their feelings. But time has gone by, it's done. My son is here, your other son is here, and some of their emotions have settled down. Not forgotten, nor forgiven, not any of that, just settled down. Okay, first of all, before anything else, necessary to mention that Chloe acknowledges Tristan's other son here, which I feel is worth noting just because that is very rare that that happens in these episodes, I
1: feel like. I feel like it was the first time that it was an acknowledgement of him having a son, not just the acknowledgement of him getting somebody else pregnant, which is a huge distinction. And I have to say, the reason that I feel like it's additionally important that it was brought up or additionally worth analysis of the fact that Chloe was the one that said it is because... I feel like oftentimes when we talk about Tristan and this quote journey that he's on, or journey that the entire family sees him on and believes he's on, the thing that you and I always have in the back of our head, and the thing that we have said a couple of times on the show, but I'm very respectful of the fact that it's not Chloe's place to compensate for the mistakes of Tristan. Like it's not Chloe's place to tell Tristan what to do in terms of his children other than the ones that are hers. It is his responsibility. He is the person that fathered these children. And so I think we often toe the line between not wanting to place any blame on Chloe for that. But I do think that it is impossible to cite all of these changes that Tristan has made and all of this growth that he has had without acknowledging the role or lack thereof a role that he plays in his other son's life completely. And that's why it registered for me, because obviously that's a conversation that
0: you and I have very frequently. And it's not something we really at all hear mentioned on the show. But anyway, in terms of this scene, so Tristan then says to her, I have a lot of respect for your whole family. So I feel like it's important for me to go down the line and speak to everyone. And whether they want to hear it or not, I would feel better expressing my truth to them. And Chloe's basically saying in her confessional, a lot of people want to run and hide from these situations, but." Tristan wants to face it head on and she on some level kind of commends that. And she then says, I think it's important for him to have these conversations for his own growing journey, his spiritual journey, the journey he's on. And she says to him, you had a private talk with Kim, I know that. I know you had a private talk with my mom and Rob. I think you attempted everyone at different times. I've talked to Kylie in court and I know you've been wanting to talk to them. And I know for a while they just didn't want to or weren't ready or had their own stuff going on in their lives but I know now they're willing to talk. It's long overdue and I think it's important. And Tristan says, it's long overdue, but I feel like it's good to have, especially with Courtney, because we've never had a real conversation. I feel like every time we see each other, it's at family events where it's in passing. Let's just pause for a second because we then get into the Kylie mention and the Jordan mention, which we can talk about. But interesting to note that we know he's had the conversation with Kim and Chris, but Chloe clearly mentioning here he's had a conversation with Rob, which is something I've always been curious about. And hearing her plainly call out the fact that he has wanted to with Courtney and Kylie and they both were the more hesitant of the bunch, not including Kendall.
1: Right. And that is information that we are never not going to be interested in. Like What the relationship between Tristan and Rob is like, I think has been entirely a mystery to us. The fact that they had a conversation, not to say that we wouldn't have expected that to take place considering how much time Dream spends with Chloe and presumably Tristan because of that, how close Chloe and Rob are out of the entire bunch. Like, it, it of course makes sense for a conversation between Rob and Tristan to take place. It's just never something that I think would have been top of mind for us because it's not like their dynamic is anything that we have ever seen before. Well, because
0: let's just call it like it is Rob current day is a total mystery to us for the most part. You know, like we can wonder about it, but at a certain point when you're really seeing nothing of a person, it's not that you stop wondering, but I don't think it's the most top of mind thing. It's not like he's popping up here and there. And so it it goes through our minds. It's like anything that we are envisioning about a conversation that may have transpired between Rob and Tristan or Rob and anyone else is entirely something that we have created in our mind based on zero like evidence from any sort of social media or comments on the show or anything, you know, and and that's his choice. And like, I totally respect it for him, but I I think about him a lot less, I think, than I used to just because we really get such minimal exposure,
1: if any. Right, exactly. And you know what is actually the most interesting aspect of all of this is, of course, there was no scenario in which we were going to get a Tristan and Rob conversation on camera. But if you were to present me with the facts of there was a sit down conversation between chris and tristan there was a sit down conversation between kim and tristan there was a sit down conversation between kylie and tristan and there was a sit down conversation between courtney and tristan there's no scenario in which the two i would have picked that we would get to see that go down would be kylie and courtney that was the least likely scenario first of all the kylie of it all is shocking like the fact that we got that i mean
0: that was a very intentional decision on Kylie's behalf. And we will get more into that as we talk about the actual conversation. But here, when Chloe says to him, you know, I think Kylie deserves a lot out of that conversation and, and Tristan agrees. And he's like, if someone told me, do you think Kylie misses Jordan? I'd say probably so. And I feel bad about that, especially me being, you know, the older one. And Chloe then says in her confessional, I've forgiven Jordan. Of course, I was upset at the time and we moved on. I mean, there's no bad blood. I've posted on my Instagram stories, but Jordan and I are good. And Tristan says, I should have handled it differently. I should have handled it more like it's the older person. And Chloe says, I mean, I just want everyone in my family to get along. Tristan then says some bullshit analogy about you know men sometimes not realizing until they're 40 or 50 when the train's already gone and hopefully his train hasn't left, whatever. All to say, Chloe then says, I totally understand why Kylie and Cord feel the way they feel and you have to do the work in order to really get past it. If they're willing to have a talk with you and wanting to, that's great. I don't know how it's going to go, but I think that's great. And Tristan responds, I'm excited.
1: I mean, you're excited? Like, is that, that's the way you want to describe it? Like, you're excited for these conversations? Like, I don't think you should be excited.
0: I will just say there's no adjective he could have given to describe how he's feeling that would have come across as great. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) if he said, I'm scared, we would have been like, yeah, as you fucking should be. If he said he was hesitant, we would have been like, no, it's time. You should. He said he's excited. We've been like, "What are you so excited about?" Like he's he has gotten himself into such a hole that there was no descriptive word that would have fit. So to me, excited is as good of a word as any. At least he's on some level wanting to.
1: Right. I would have. I would have picked nervous, but I. I, I can't choose how he's feeling in these moments. Well, of course he's nervous. Of course
0: he's nervous. Excited is just the word he's choosing to say. Like. How are you going to sit down with Kylie after you? I can't even, whatever. We'll, we'll get into that. Let's go to Kim in New York for a second, which we kind of spoke about in the beginning, but this is just a whirlwind. She is the Time Magazine cover shoot for most influential businesses cover. She has the Met fitting. She's looking for an apartment, the American Horror Story fittings. So many things going on. Of course, we have the skims pop up. And, you know, as we said earlier, like she is really just feeling it. And again, the unique thing is not that Kim is spreading herself thin. The unique thing is that she's not having the sleep to be able to fuel herself through it.
1: The unique thing was also watching her take the cheese off of her Joe's pizza. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, that was strange to me. Like, I mean, listen,
0: I love the dough part as much as the next guy, but not without the cheese.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like that's it's necessary. It's the best part. Well, my thing is like, in that case, you know, you could just get bread. Right. It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like if if the goal is bread, let me show you some delicious focaccia. Like I can fuck you up with a sourdough if you're trying to, but I, I don't know. To me,
1: the cheese is so appealing. You know what? There's so much to get in this episode. I can't sit here and explain how each component of the pizza is necessary to the whole part. You can't have it with, honestly, the sauce is the thing that could go the easiest. Let's all, let's all be real here. Well, you know how we feel about a white slice. Yeah,
0: little white slice with a little red chili flake fuck us up. No, stop. Please don't talk about pizza right now. I know I'm like hungry a little bit. I just had sweet green, which like in the moment was so good, and now I'm talking about this. I'm like fuck sweet green. (laughs) I I do love that hummus crunch salad. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Talk
1: about a food hyperfixation.
0: I know. I really. How many nights this week
1: have you had it? Like four, I think. I know because I've been with you for three of them, (laughs) except
0: for I did just black and chicken, no tofu today. And you know, it's a small little change that I made. It comes with a basil leaf, which like is so minor, but I was realizing I just, I don't need basil in the salad. So I just had them not put the leaf in it and it enhanced the experience for me.
1: All right, Albert Einstein.
0: (laughs) Okay. Let's go to Kylie and Chloe. So Chloe's in her confessional. She's saying, I have a special relationship with every one of my siblings. I love them all so much, but Kylie's my little baby, to which I say, we know. Like her, listen, they all do have a special relationship, but Chloe and Kylie and Chloe and Rob are always notable. Chloe and Kylie is one of my favorite duos in the game. And Chloe says to Kylie, I had a talk with Kendall the other day because Tristan was here dropping off the kids or something. And I was saying, oh, Kendall's about to come over. And he was like, oh, I want to say hi. And I was like, oh, no, you can leave. And he was like, are you kicking me out? And I was like, I'm not kicking you out. Just Kendall doesn't like you very much. So, and he was like, oh, I want to talk to her and blah, blah, blah. You know, he's been saying he wants to talk to you guys. So he would love to talk to you. There doesn't have to be closure, but how could there ever be any form of progress if no one's willing to talk? And Kylie says, I would love to talk to him. I'm cool with Tristan as of now. I said what I had to say on the show. I'm sure he saw those things, which is then a flashback to Kylie's confessional where she's saying, you know, Tristan having another child on the way and getting back with Chloe slash conceiving a child with Chloe is unforgivable in her books. And she then says, I feel like it's confusing for me because I actually really like Tristan as a person and I have to separate him as a person and the things that he's done to you. There's a sense of distrust or I don't know. Chloe says, like, who are you? Which one is it? That's the biggest mindfuck of all of this. You're all these great fucking things, but you couldn't fucking be great to me. And now after the umpteenth time that you decided to go put your little dingling in some slut, that's what you decided to do. Kylie goes, I just want the best for you, and I think you deserve the world. So that's really all I want.
1: That element of Tristan that Chloe is talking about in terms of you're all of these amazing things, why couldn't you be good to me? Is the number one piece of discussion at any given time because it is a hundred percent fact. Like you watch Tristan, and we have said this time and time again, in between all of the various cheating scandals, of like, we get how everybody finds him to be so likable and charming. There is absolutely a quality that he has that is like that. And it is so hard to determine is this a good person who has done terrible things, or is this a bad person who is able to? do good things and kind of fool people and manipulate the situation. And I don't know if I'm Chloe, that element of it is, it's not even a matter of not being able to trust yourself at that point, because I think every single person in the family has fallen into the same trap. So it's not like a solo mission that Chloe's on to try and figure out, is it my judgment? It's kind of everybody's judgment that they're figuring out with Tristan. Well, I mean, as we talk about,
0: that's a a piece of the puzzle. I know this is a much larger conversation, but that is a piece of the puzzle that, listen, they have children together. So completely cutting him out of her life forever was never going to be an option. But it's also not like here she was with a family behind her that was saying, all right, forget this guy. You'll see him on the days you have to see him for your kids and that's it. That wasn't really what was going on. I mean, maybe certain family members felt that way, but that wasn't the overwhelming opinion. So that of course, played a role in terms of like, they've all kind of been in this strange in-between. And by the way, not all aligned at the same time. Like when Kylie was hating him the most wasn't necessarily when Kim was hating him the most. You know, <laughs> like it, it's it's so strange when you think about all of their individual feelings on him, on what he's done, on where he's at. And you then put Chloe in the middle of all of that. It's not that they, listen, the Kardashians are a very united front. Of of course. And it's not that they're not united on this. They are very united in that like they want Chloe to come out on top in whatever way that is. But in terms of how they've gotten there and where they're currently at and where they're feeling on Tristan, that is not united. That's all over the fucking place.
1: Right. And this is when Kylie responds to Chloe and says, I just want the best for you and I think you deserve the world. And so that's really all I want. And it cuts to her in confessional saying, I have a forgiving personality and I appreciate that Tristan takes my daughter out with True and has a good relationship with her. And so I think after his mom passed away, it just wasn't the time to talk about things. So we just never did. So I think it would be a good thing for us to just sit down and talk about everything that happened.
0: Right. And Chloe says to Kylie, I just feel like, say whatever you want to say to him. And that is a theme. There is certainly a part of Chloe that I think, I'm sure on some level, she's a little bit nervous about it, but really does, I think wholeheartedly feel good about the fact that as long as she doesn't have to be in the room for it, she is more than happy for any single one of her family members to just let it rip say whatever you want to say, get it all out. As long as she doesn't have to be physically present, I think she's much happier actually for those conversations to
1: exist than to not exist. Right, well, I think one of Chloe's biggest things is just having everything out in the open so that there's no feelings or thoughts that then take her by surprise. Like when Chloe was saying about, I think the way she worded it was like one of the motivations for not getting back with Tristan or one of the reasons for not getting back with Tristan was that feeling of not wanting to walk into a room anymore and have everybody be talking about like what an idiot she is for taking him back or standing by his side. Like I think the idea that the rest of the family could potentially be talking about all of these things in terms of her relationship with Tristan or the way that they think about Tristan and it's not something that she is aware of is something that potentially scares her. And so I think that, for yes, of course, for the healing process that they are all going through with Tristan, she wants everything to be on the table and she wants everybody to feel like they can say whatever they need to say to Tristan and she is not protecting him. She is not stopping them from saying that. That is so important to her. But I also think a huge aspect of it is like, she does not want to be taken by surprise by feelings that she didn't know existed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think to put it simply, like she'd rather know than not know. I think that Chloe gets a lot of anxiety from feeling as though there are things brewing that she's not necessarily aware of, and then she could be walking into a situation that she doesn't feel prepared for. Something we have seen from Chloe a lot, not only with this situation, just generally speaking, there's a lot of mental and emotional preparation that goes into her feeling comfortable entering a circumstance, whatever that is. And this situation is no different just because we're talking about her family and you know, it's not as though she's going to some sort of an event. I think, generally speaking, having an understanding of where the different members of her family are at with someone who she's spending time with, not romantically, but because she has to, I think that's important for her sanity. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so quick flash to Kim in New York. We've spoken about this now multiple times, but this is actually the scene when she goes to the Skims pop-up and... Chris films that video of her in the hotel room and like, she is just out of it. By the way, POV, you're the fan that she comes up to and starts telling you about Skims Men. Like if I'm that fan and she then drops Skims Men, I probably am feeling so validated because I've probably been telling my friends for the last however many months, no, you guys don't understand. Kim Kardashian personally came up to me and told me about this months ago. And everyone's like, all right. Like that meme where it's like, okay, grandma, let's get you home. And then they watch that. They're like, wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a hilarious perspective to consider for a second.
1: Her doing that has huge getting drunk at the Christmas party and telling everybody that the surrogate is pregnant energy. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. And then this is, you know, also when we see Kim going to the Blink 182 show and it cuts to Kim and Courtney in confessional and they're just talking about how nice it was. And Courtney's saying, you know, it's a, the best feeling to have Kim there when she's feeling kind of homesick and she makes it happen. Like she takes a helicopter there and, and you see, they take the selfie the day that the show's premiere. Like it was just, you could feel that there was a real good energy there. Like I know, I'm sure in the moment it was the last thing Kim felt like doing because of how exhausted she was, but it was so the right thing. And I think she was happy she did it. And Courtney was happy she did it. And it was just nice. Like I have nothing overly intelligent to say, I just
1: enjoyed that scene. And I fucking love her hair like that. You could see how much Courtney appreciated the fact that Kim did that. And of course it was on some level for Courtney and to support Courtney. But I think the thing that meant the most to Courtney about it was not just the fact that Kim showed up for her and the fact that she was feeling a little homesick and Kim's presence really helped with that but the fact that Kim showed up for Travis, like that is number one most important thing to Courtney. It's like Travis is her family. And as much as Courtney does this thing where she's like, well, I have my family and my family, like it's separate. Like there's nothing that brings Courtney greater joy than her family supporting and loving Travis in that way. And so for Kim to do that obviously was a big gesture in terms of her fight and her relationship with Courtney, but it was an even bigger gesture because of what it meant in terms of Travis.
0: Totally. And, like, by the way, it's not like he's just some, you know, musician starting out. Like, he's the fucking drummer of Blink 182. What a cool f- show to be at. Like, the whole, it's a whole, it's a cool experience, the whole thing. No, totally. And Courtney, by the way, Courtney loves that. Not like she, not at all. Like, she needs the validation from anyone or specifically her family that, like, Travis is a big fucking deal. He, <laughs> he doesn't need that. She doesn't need that. No one needs that. But it is, I think, it's just natural. Like you are so proud of your partner when they are doing the thing that they are known for. And so then to have other people that you love be there to witness that, like that's just a great feeling. That's a universally relatable feeling, even if what they're actually talking about is something that so few people can relate to. But generally speaking, like that's a, a sense of pride that, of course, you want to share with those closest to you. Right. Absolutely. Okay, let's take a moment because we now have to gear up for the big conversations. I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year. And this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine building features like. Cue to unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed and pillow talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatchery store and free shipping at Hatch.co slash CBC. Visit Hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash CBC. Okay, so one thing about me, I'm going to get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically want to talk to you about Dash Pass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So It makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders, so it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change term supply. Okay, we are now entering the Kylie and Tristan conversation. Just a couple of dates to keep in mind here. Jordan Gate happened February 2019. Most recently, Kylie and Jordan spotted at Sushi Park was July of this year. And then the TikTok Kylie made from the Acme store with Jordan was September of this year. So obviously, as Kylie alludes to in this conversation, her and Jordan have rebuilt their relationship and they've been talking. And it's not as though being together at Sushi Park was the first time they saw one another. It was just the first time they publicly saw one another. But I just think it's important to have those dates in mind as we go through this. Okay. Kylie's in her confessional. She sets us up by saying, Tristan's coming over to talk to me. I do feel a little nervous, but I think in any relationship, friendship, I think communication is key and I'm protective of Chloe. That's what it comes down to. I think she deserves the best. And they're kind of just bullshitting, talking about how Kylie used to have some great nights there and then she kind of retired. And she then says, so you wanted to talk to me? And he goes, yes, I wanted to talk to you. I think it's been long overdue. She agrees And he then says, and I'm going to read this. I feel it really bothers me because it's like, we've always had such a dope relationship. And I feel like everyone got affected differently, but I think you were affected the most by a situation with losing a sister. Basically you lost Jordan. Who's a big part of your life because I mean, I know how much she meant to your life and your guys connection was you guys were two peas in a pod. And so the fact that I put myself and her in a situation that wasn't right and wasn't smart made it tough for you and Chloe because at the end of the day, You have your best friend and you have your sister who you love more than anything else. So it's 100% on me. And so I want to say I'm sorry and I feel bad about it. The fact that I came with my poor decisions and being a fucking idiot and just being young and stupid, I wanted to say I'm sorry again for that. Just because I mean, life is so short. It sucks because even though we've made our mistakes, it's hard to come back from situations like that. Okay. Immediate pause, because obviously we need to get into Kylie's response, which is more interesting of the two. But it really hit me in this moment of like, is this the first time
1: since this happened in 2019 that they are talking about this? Well, my instinct was to say, there's no way it's the first time, but it kind of sounds like it. The way
0: they are talking, it's not like he, I mean, which I know we eventually get to, but it's not like he's talking about his recent infidelity or generally the way that he has treated Chloe. I mean, he's talking about the loss of Kylie's friendship with Jordan. And by the way, he's talking about that now, four years later, when it's gone so far past the point where they've actually rebuilt a relationship. And I don't know, another conversation could have taken place, but the way they're talking, it sounds like this is the first real sit down they've had about it, which actually is what's so interesting to me about that is like, all the other interactions we've seen of Kylie and Tristan since then i'm now thinking in my head have happened without them ever address- like i don't know sorry i'm just i guess i'm processing this in real time but that just really that really shook
1: me well i had this moment when we saw the preview for the episode where i was like oh it makes sense to me that Courtney and Tristan would be having this big conversation because Courtney as we know, is obviously the one that feels the most type of way about Tristan and what he did to Chloe with the most recent cheating scandal. I was like, it's interesting that Kylie is the other big conversation, not to say that Kylie isn't so protective over Chloe and not to say that Kylie wasn't really upset at the time. And you know, she was the one that said, this is entirely unforgivable. But I was surprised that she was the other piece of the big conversation I had literally forgotten that that conversation was going to be about Jordan. Like, I was only thinking about it in terms of the most recent cheating scandal. And I guess the reason that I probably thought that and felt that way is because I had assumed that whatever conversation needed to take place about Jordan had already taken place. And then he fucked up again, kind of fucking up the conversation that had been had. But yeah, you're right. It kind of sounds like that conversation never really happened at all and when you say like thinking about the interactions between Kylie and Tristan in between you know Jordan Gate and this conversation like I can't off the top of my head give you those interactions like I don't remember there are no interactions between Kylie and Tristan that so stood out to me No, it's not
0: that there are certain interactions that have stood out to me. I'm just saying they've been like together many times, at least. I don't know that this whole thing was just really disorienting for me. And maybe there was a part of me that was personalizing it a little of like, there's just no fucking way that I could be with someone on a consistent basis for four years and something like this and never have addressed it. And again, maybe they just never have for the show, but it. I don't know. This was like rocking my world in a way. And what I think is so interesting here is when Kylie responds and says, I appreciate that. I think I was so codependent with Jordan that I could have never imagined my life without her. We would have probably still been living together and I think she needed to grow without me. I needed to grow without her. But You know, Jordan and I are cool. Like we still talk and catch up. We're good. First of all, Fuck Tristan. Like, that is the thing I'm the most interested in because that's what we've been saying. That, in some ways, not to say this was a blessing in disguise, I would never use that term to describe this situation, but like, there was a codependence happening between Kylie and Jordan that did need to be broken. This was not the way it needed to be broken. It just so happened to be the thing that did it. But like, I guess just to hear Kylie say that, that's what you and I have been saying. And I'm not saying she maybe has never said it before, but it just felt different. I don't know. Something about it, specifically watching this episode after knowing where they're at currently, it just hit different.
1: I mean, hearing Jordan's name get mentioned at all was something that really shocked me. Even in that initial conversation between Tristan and Chloe when they're talking about it, and Tristan saying about wanting to speak to Kylie because of how affected she was because of Jordan, it was like, I, I, I just... I never thought that we would get a day when that conversation was openly discussed on the show. I was just shocked to hear them so openly discussing what went down with Jordan and Kylie's feelings on it and Tristan's feelings on it. It just, I guess maybe because it felt like such a thing of the past. And I guess that probably goes back to the conversation of, is this the first time they're talking about it? But because it had happened so many years ago at this point, it's not that I thought anybody was over it. It's not that I thought Kylie was over it. It was just, I never thought that it was going to be relevant enough that Kylie would feel comfortable having that conversation on camera or Chloe would feel comfortable allowing Jordan's name to be brought into the conversation or Tristan would feel comfortable bringing up that fact. Like, I don't know, but it really caught me off guard to even hear all of them openly discussing Jordan. By name, I know. Like I, I I so understand why we're both having such a hard time sounding
0: even remotely eloquent because it, it was very disorienting. I really get it. I understand
1: your reaction because I had the exact same reaction. It the whole thing just like fucked me up a little bit. I also think that a lot of times, for the sake of not calling attention to a specific person or incident, like they almost gaslight us into thinking that we wouldn't know who they're talking about. And I could have seen them having this conversation where Tristan and Kylie sat down, had a full conversation and didn't say Jordan by name once. Like you lost a friend. I had a hard time with a friend, but you and I, like, I could have seen that being how it was referred to. But the fact that it was so open with us as the audience of, we know what happened. We know, you know what happened. Let's cut the bullshit and just have an honest conversation about it. Like, That's what I think shocked me because I could have so seen it going in the other direction. Right. But again,
0: necessary, because I so fucking agree with you, such necessary and important context is that we are watching this go down after seeing on Kylie's terms where her and Jordan are at. You know what I mean? Like that is intentional. There's no way that they would have allowed this episode to air without us having seen them at Sushi Park, them at Acme, whatever it was, you know, like to me, that I think is super necessary to mention here. I do not believe this episode would have aired if Kylie herself had not first, you know, driven the narrative of where her and Jordan are at. Like, uh, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. There's no way after all these years that we are going to get our Questions answered as to if Kylie and Jordan are good based on her conversation with Tristan. There's no fucking way that she's breaking the news to the world. It's almost, It almost, I think in her eyes, would be disrespectful to her relationship with Jordan to allow the public that knowledge based
1: on her talking to Tristan about it. Well, what I've been so curious about is, was this conversation between Kylie and Tristan at all a catalyst for kylie and jordan publicly having dinner together because yes you're 100 right for kylie to even mention what her relationship with jordan was like answered a million questions that we had had right like even with the knowledge of them having dinner and the acme appearance like we didn't know what it was like leading up to that we had thought you know if if they're doing this publicly, then it has to be that they are been on good terms. It's not like their first meeting and their first time talking in four years is going to be a public dinner at Sushi Park. We just knew logically there was no way. But we had no confirmation of what that then looked like for the two of them, what it looked like for them to be on good terms, for Kylie to say they've spoken, for Kylie to say that they've had interactions over the years and they are good with each other. Like we assume that, but we didn't know that. And so I I am really curious if. Any part of this conversation was a catalyst for taking it from, yeah, we actually do have this behind-the-scenes friendship that people don't know about, and I don't know if you can call it a friendship, but some sort of a relationship, to then saying, we can be public with this, or like maybe we do something in public, or maybe we go out and stop hiding this. Like I don't know. But the timing of it all also lines up because, like we said, this episode takes place presumably sometime between April and June. The concert and the season three premiere was May 25th. Courtney's birthday was the end of April. So if we're operating within that timeline and Sushi Park was July, like those two events happened somewhat close to each other,
0: presumably. I can't even get that granular. All I'm saying is that before this episode was airing, Kylie was making a public appearance with Jordan. That's the one thing I feel the most... 100,000% sure about. I can't speak to exactly when this fits in with anything else, but that I feel like confident in. I mean, what about the fact that Tristan responds and says, "Well, let her know I apologize for, you know, whatever." She went through a lot during that time too and probably gave her a lot of flack and I'm the reason why that relationship went a different direction. But I just want to make sure I say it to you and just like you know because I was a fucking idiot. First of all, Okay. Again, this is like a moment where I'm struggling to get my words out because I'm so mind blown. Reliving the scene, what we are witnessing, folks, is in 2023, Tristan Thompson asking Kylie to apologize to Jordan on his behalf for what she went through in 2019. You realize that, right? I, yeah, I I do realize that. This is like it, it's it, the whole thing was blowing my mind. I'm not even necessarily saying it like critically. I'm more so, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm more so just like actively processing
1: it. Right, I can't even analyze what it is that he's saying because like I said before, the fact that this conversation is even taking place is is the only place my mind can go to. I can't then, I'm only human. I can't then distinguish like, Am I impressed with what he's saying? Like, do I feel like there's a difference there? Is there something to be said for the fact that he acknowledges the power dynamic and the role that he played in that and, and the way that it affected Jordan? Like I, I, like, yeah, as he should, like, I don't think you should get praised for doing the bare minimum of like the right, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, it's a lot going on here right now. But about four years later, I, yeah, it's a lot. We don't have to, it's okay. Let's just, don't need to stress
0: ourselves. But anyway, Kylie responds to him and says, you do some dumbass shit. He goes dumb ass shit. And I'm like, why the fuck was I doing that? And she goes, I think you have such a good heart and good energy. And to know you is to love you, your spirit and everything. It's confusing because some of the shit you do is really crazy. And he says, I think a lot of it was just selfish and not really understanding the value of good people. And when he's outside of Kylie's in his like, on-site confessional, which is very OG housewives and new age Kardashians in this kind of like, docu-series... He's saying to the camera, You know, Kylie's been there for my family and us for the worst of times, and her life got altered because of my actions. And so I just want to be accountable and wanted to say my apology to her and Jordan. And hopefully she'll relay that message to Jordan because it affected a lot of people. The most important thing is I'm trying to. I want to gain back the respect of my family. So that's what I'm trying. It's just one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And Kylie says to him, It's just hard to forgive the things that you did to Chloe, but I want to move on from that. He goes, I'm not in a position to ask for anything. I think the only thing I could do is just continue to prove myself and be who I am. And then I think maybe over time, not forgiving, but more so trying to gain everyone's trust back. You want your family to be comfortable around you. You never want your family to look at you side-eye or question your character or your integrity as a human being. That's like my motivation for anything. I never want my daughter to go to school and talk so great about me. And then a little kid says, your daddy's this and this, and she'll be embarrassed. And that will break my heart because she views me in such high regards. You want to be a good influence and role model for them so they can be proud of you and say, that's my daddy. And that's when Kylie gets emotional. It's like, you're going to make me cry. And he says, I mean, the three most important things in life, basketball, my mom, family, all was taken away from me in a year span. It's like the biggest wake-up call you can get in your life. So to try to right my wrongs as best as I can while I'm here. And she says, I just want the best for Chloe. She's the most magical person on the planet, as I'm sure you know. And she just deserves the absolute best.
1: Yes, she does. Yes, she does. I I know. I Yeah. But by the way, like we don't have to have thoughts on it. Like this can just exist.
0: No, I know. I think we're all kind of just processing the differences that we're doing it in real time out loud. So (laughs) there's like a certain amount of pressure to have your thoughts gathered in some ways. Mine really aren't because I, I, again, watched this right before we started recording and I really just do feel the shock from even getting this scene. I have a lot of things swirling in my mind. I will say that one, I think even though it's four years later, I have to imagine for both of them, it was cathartic on some level. I also have to imagine from Jordan's perspective, who I'm sure will eventually watch this scene. It's interesting, I'm sure, to witness this interaction going down, especially if Tristan has never personally apologized to her. And now she's getting this, through the show, through his apology to Kylie. But separate and apart from, you know, this or Kardashian specific, when he says that line about, you know, wanting to behave in a way where his kids feel like, that's my dad and nothing that anyone can say about his past actions could then take away from the way that they view him. Like, I always say to you, I feel like this is a conversation we have constantly when talking about like, you know, people we want to be with or whatever that like, It is not lost on me the way that I feel about my dad and how unique that is of like, I know with my entire heart, this is like the best fucking person, like a good man. Like I feel so grateful to be raised by someone who I view in such high regard and not just me, everyone around him views him as such a good person. And like, I want that so badly for the person that I end up with for like my kids to feel that way. You know, like it's not Tristan specific. Cause like, it's not even about him, but just as a concept, I really get what he means because I really want that in my partner for my kid's sake. You
1: know? Of course there's, there's no better thing in the world than, than having that. Like we are both so lucky with our, our dads to be able to have that. It would, to lucky would be an understatement. And I understand for Tristan, of course, wanting that for his kids and wanting that for himself and wanting them to feel a certain way about him and allowing that to be his motivation for doing better, because I think that's very real for him. I then go back to the fact of you can't make that assertion for just some of your kids. Of course. I mean, that
0: goes without saying, but it's also... Not to say it's not a real thought to have, but it's hearing it as the public, it hits a lot less hard when it's being made so after the fact, you know, it's like, that's a mindset that you in theory would have before making decisions that would then potentially have your kids view you in a negative light.
1: Right. The way that I felt about this entire episode with every single thing that Tristan said is that had he manned up and taken on the responsibility as a father for all of his kids equally what he is saying and the sentiments that he is trying to push and the uh, the trust that he is trying to earn and the work that he is trying to do had he stepped up in the way that he needed to step up for all of his kids i actually think that i would have watched this episode and been like wow I know that he has said it before, but I really believe him this time. Like I see the change. I see him owning up to things that he hadn't before. I see the way that he's tackling these things head on and having conversations with the family that are difficult to have, but he is doing it. Like I see these changes. I see the way that his mother's death affected him. I see the way that being Amari's caretaker has really forced him into this new position in life. But he didn't do one of the biggest things that he needs to do in order to earn that respect. And so- as a result of that, I can't say all of these things that he is saying are 100% truthful. I can't say that he means every single word that's coming out of his mouth because there's an overwhelming piece of evidence that says that he does it. I know. I so know. And then I'm also like, this is not my
0: situation to judge. Like, This is not... He doesn't have to answer to me or to you or to like us as the public. It's not... But. What we're watching him having to answer to the people in Chloe's life, and we then get to see that, and so that's what we're responding to. I just there is so much here, like truly there is so much here, and it's not even you know sometimes I'll say to you like oh we could talk about this for three hours and still have more to say. It's not even one of those situations because there is a part of me that's one still processing and two a little bit at a loss for words because he's just unfortunately not at the point yet where his actions have caught up with his words. Maybe five years down the line is a totally different situation and it's you've really seen that his commitment to this new version of himself has really stood the test of time and you know, we can all decide he's fucked up majorly in the past, but everyone has chosen to work past it and he had an awakening and you know, people shouldn't be judged for the worst things they've ever done and look at what he's done now and the way that he is such a good father to all of his children, like whatever those things are. The reality is that we're not there yet. And I'm not saying he can never get there, but we're just, that's not where we're at right now. Where we're at right now is him recapping 2019 to Kylie. So let's just take a beat.
1: I think let's just take a beat is very good advice. And maybe we head over to Courtney at Ulta for a second. Yes,
0: <laughs> Courtney's at Ulta with Simon for Lemmy. We have a fan or paparazzi or someone call her Chloe, which... Oh, Always love that. that. Never doesn't crack me up. And nothing overly important to mention here, but love a little Ulta shoot. Love a little Penelope Disick creative direction. Just the whole thing. Love to see. Definitely. Okay. Grand finale here. Tristan and Courtney's. How are you feeling? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So first of all, Tristan walks in, sees Penelope, and says, wish me luck, P., which would have been noteworthy regardless, but specifically noteworthy coming off of last week or the week before's episode when they're in Palm Springs. And Courtney shares that, you know, Penelope potentially share some of her negative feelings towards Tristan because Courtney has been not shy in sharing that with Penelope.
1: Penelope hanging with her friend on the stairs watching as Tristan came in was like, so specific when your parents had something going on and you were trying to like sneak downstairs without being seen so you could overhear their conversation. Like I knew exactly what she was doing and she was right for it. By the way, I would have been disappointed if she didn't. Exactly. So Courtney comes
0: in with a notebook and she goes, on a scale of one to 10, how scared are you? And he's like, you know, I'm not scared. I, I do feel a little like I'm going to the principal's office, which is good. And Courtney is giving us necessary context in her confessional saying that, when they were in Palm Springs for Easter, Tristan kept referencing his life and his future with Chloe and that he texted her the second that he left her house asking to talk. And she was like, I was trying to eat my Cheetos in peace and I didn't want to go talk to him when I was in Palm Springs. She's like, so Tristan and I have really not connected and I just can't fake it, which was so relatable. like As you should, you do not need to interrupt your Cheetos eating to have a conversation with Tristan that you don't even want to have. Like, Do, do your thing.
1: Also like, were they Cheetos or were they like, you know? No, they were
0: probably like Trader Joe's cheese puffs, but it doesn't hit the same when you say that.
1: I know, but I honestly think those are better. I'm not
0: going to throw them out of bed. I can't blame her for that. (laughs) Okay, so they're talking and, you know, discussing how they both like to write notes down in therapy. And this kind of sparks the conversation about Tristan being in therapy for the past two years. And Courtney says, I'm really not here to judge. I don't have any anger. Just more like, I want an understanding of how you could do these things or how it got there. Like, I'm curious just as to like, I wonder if Tristan is ever like, I don't have remorse. And he says, you know, no, that's fair. And she goes, the next day after you do the deed, do you feel anything? And he goes, for me personally, when I cheat, I feel disgusted the next day. She goes, so then why do you do it again? He goes, I was literally just like cheating for an action, cheating just for a feeling but also it really came down to not really knowing how to love because that's the way I grew up. I think with therapy, I realized that my childhood upbringing, what I saw from my dad and how he would treat my mom. As a kid, when you see that, the trauma you have is because you can't protect your mom because you're so young and because your mom tells you it's going to be okay. You basically numb your emotions of being scared or feeling sad. It's my form of a defense mechanism. And Courtney says, do you think your mom was just always happy because she numbs certain things? And Tristan says, I think she did that more for us as kids, so we wouldn't have it bother us. So I never understood how to feel pain or how to feel someone's emotions because the most important person in my life, even though they're being treated terribly, was always happy. So I never understood pain and suffering. I've never seen a man treat a woman good. I've never seen a man not cheat on a woman. I've never seen a good husband. I made a mistake. Courtney interrupts him and says multiple. He goes multiple times, but said I ever really understood why I'm making the mistake. And she goes, but what do you think the mistake is? Like truly. And he says, So the mistake is I cheated. And if I was ahead of it and maybe told Chloe, we might have been able to figure it out together instead of her being blindsided. And Courtney says, Okay, so then for Chloe, putting Chloe, comparing her to your mom, and thinking, like, you never had the mom who put herself first. But with Chloe, do you feel like she needs to put herself first and be like, you don't stand a chance? And Tristan says, you know, he can't tell her that. And Courtney says, I know you can't tell her that, but I'm saying I don't think you deserve Chloe, or the actions you've done have been something that she deserved.
1: I mean, this was intense.
0: I know. I feel like I just did a dramatic reading. I just we had to go through like every line of that, I felt like.
1: No, we did, and I'm so glad that we did. And this is not one that I think either of us are gonna like pick apart every aspect of or any aspect of. Like him talking about his childhood trauma and what he has uncovered in therapy and what he has done the work to kind of sort out and figure out in therapy, like that's not up for debate or discussion. Like that is his personal life experience. That is what he has gone through. That is what has led him to the decision that he has made. And nobody gets to tell Tristan, no, that's not the reason that you made these decisions or like, no, that's not a good enough excuse for like what you have done. Like that is his life. And there is just nothing that anybody can or should say to take that from him. You can still think that everything he did was wrong. Everything he did was wrong. But I just don't think it's anyone's place to try and undermine his life experiences. Well, that's what I was going
0: to say to you. There's a lot of different ways you could approach this conversation. I do not feel comfortable, specifically on a podcast, diving into what he mentioned in terms of his childhood, specifically in the aftermath of his mom's passing. It's just not somewhere I'm going. I I don't feel comfortable doing that. What I do feel comfortable doing is talking about Courtney's role in this conversation and the way that she has been the only fucking person since the initial incident that has ever spoken to him In such plain terms. Like, this is OG Courtney gives no fucks Kardashians being as blunt as physically possible and asking him point blank, the next day after you do the deed, do you feel anything? And when he answers, she then says, So then why do you do it again? Like, she is not mincing her words. And it's unfortunate that it feels like such a rarity, but it it does because we don't see these types of interactions, especially because so many of the conversations we've seen have been with Chris, who in every other aspect of her life doesn't mince her words, but somehow when it comes to the conversations with Tristan, it's a lot of rose-colored glasses and a lot of kind of massaging the issue. And here's Courtney, who I felt was being receptive and respectful to what he was saying and not, even in the moment, not undermining what was a traumatic experience for him growing up while still keeping the current issue current and like asking a question that I think every single person who has watched these cheating scandals go down for years now wanted to know, I'm sorry, this Courtney is the first person
1: that has ever spoken to him like this from my knowledge. Right. And this is the conversation again, not in terms of specifically what Tristan was saying, But in terms of what needed to be said to Tristan that we have been waiting for this entire time, like every single time this happens, which is a crazy sentence to say, but I feel like we as the audience are left with, yeah, we see how upset you guys are and we see how upset you guys are for Chloe and on her behalf in the moment that it happens and in the immediate aftermath of it and how angry you are with Tristan. But then this strange phenomenon happens where Tristan kind of works his way back in and everything gets a little swept under the rug or there's enough time that has passed where the feelings aren't so raw and therefore people aren't to our knowledge and to what we see on our screen. Having these conversations with him and having these direct talks with him, asking him these direct questions that needed to be asked. And so for enough time to have passed where the anger has kind of subsided and they're able to be with him amicably and Courtney hasn't lost sight of, these are the questions that I need answered. And if you are going to play a role in Chloe's life, in whatever capacity it's going to be, you are going to have to account for the things that you have done wrong. And so I was just so happy for Courtney to really be the only person to ask these things. Because even in the conversation with Kylie, like I understand that was more about Tristan apologizing to Kylie for the role that he played in her friendship ending and the effect that it had on her life. But it wasn't like, you know, like Kylie says, like, you've done some really stupid shit. It's not like Kylie got angry at him. And it's not that she had to get angry at him or say, you know, some rehearsed speech that she'd thought about for the past four years. But I think to hear Courtney do it was like, okay, thank God somebody's going to. It was, it was,
0: it, it was, there was a, so many different things happening here because one, it was Tristan being admittedly very vulnerable. Forget about to Courtney. Like, he's putting this conversation on air. He knows that the overwhelming majority of the audience can't stand him, yet he's still willing to share experiences from his upbringing that he has uncovered in therapy that he feels have potentially led to some of his actions, which again, say what you want about it. He's still putting it out there, which is something worth mentioning. Second, we have Courtney bluntly calling out exactly the thing that we've been so begging for someone to do, but also you know, the part to mention here is when Tristan gives the explanation about how it was watching his mom deal with the actions of his dad growing up and all of those feelings and how, you know, she didn't put herself first and and so much of what she did was putting the kids first and numbing her emotions. For Courtney to then take that experience and I don't want to say turn it on him because that's not what she did, but use that as a jumping off point to then kind of compare what his mom may have gone through by his dad to what Chloe has gone through by him. And then basically kind of say, if you feel as though what your mom did did not serve her, how in the same breath can you feel that that serves Chloe? Like, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, that's a really, really intense conversation. And that's why I'm saying to you, there are sometimes moments in various reality shows, like I guess specifically Kardashians, where it's like, I am still taking a moment to Process how I can't believe this is being filmed. That like I'm not I'm not going in super hard here. I'm kind of just like a consumer and take and and taking it all in because that that's like a wild thing that we just witnessed. You realize that?
1: No, I I fully realize that. I realized it in the aftermath of the conversation, and I realized it during the conversation while it was happening. This is a lot. This whole
0: episode was a lot. I can't. I actually cannot believe that before we started recording, we we're like, yeah, I think this will probably be like forty minutes. But we've been recording for two hours and six minutes.
1: <laughs> and yeah, that makes sense in retrospect.
0: I just will still be thinking about this conversation. I'm sure what will happen is on Monday's episode, we'll be like, okay, now that we've had time to process, let's talk more about it. Because I I personally just like need
1: a minute. I also can't wait to see the way the internet is going to react. And not that I need it to form our opinions, but I just, I know they're going to have a field day with this one because they already had a field day from just the clip of Tristan saying when I cheat in kind of the present tense. Right. I forgot
0: about that. It's so weird with the screeners because it's like, we're kind of raw dogging this. Like I have no idea what anyone's going to say. I know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that was a lot. We got some unbelievable insight. There is so much more to say, to discuss, to feel, to process, and and whatever anyone's reaction was to any part of this episode, you are valid in that because it was a lot. Okay, I think that's it. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. We love you.